Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Friends, near and far, we welcome you to this Sunday service of ordered worship in the nave of Marsh Chapel, Boston University. The liturgy, homily, and music are offered in the praise of God for our gathered congregation here at 735 Commonwealth Avenue, for our New England radio audience through WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership around the globe live at WBUR.org. We encourage your written or emailed responses, your prayerful and material support, your self-identification with your own form of ministry here, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us for worship. With joy today, we continue to explore the intersection of Christ and culture, Commonwealth Avenue, and our Commonwealth in heaven. This is the day the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
Let us pray. Blessed Lord, who has caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. Beloved, you are invited during the Kyrie to offer your own prayers of confession. Our age, as much as and perhaps more than any other, hungers for the language of contrition, longs for the spirit of compunction, yearns for the courage of confession. We face daily the contrast of abundance and scarcity. We know for sure that not every investment has been fruitful, faithful, or talented. So we sing the one thing needful in a time of various forms of ruin, a desire for pardon. Let us pray.
Well beloved, we worship the God of pardon and peace. This is the gospel. If we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will for forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from Paul's epistle to the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Udiah and Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women. For they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. And the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord.
Let us pray responsively verses from Psalm 106 with the antiphon. God, who is good, whose steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty doings of God or declare all of God's praise? Happy are those who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Remember me, O God, when you show favor to your people. Help me. That I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice in the gladness of your nation, that I may glory in your heritage. And now, people of God, rise up in body as you are able, but certainly in heart, for the singing of the Gloria Dei, the reading of the Gospel, and the singing of our hymn. Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew, chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. 
After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave! You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own, with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The Gospel of the Lord.
Plato, 500 years before the birth of Christ, described life in this world as existence in a cave, on the walls of the cave dancing, images from a reflected and refracted light. You need not be Greek, you need not be a philosopher, and you need not be a Greek philosopher to know a bit of Plato's meaning, the sense of his image. We all have our spelunking experiences. We know about stalactites and stalagmites. We have a feeling for the cave, the prison, from which Paul writes this morning to the Philippians in the fourth chapter. We are gathered to remember the gospel of joy, joy in presence, and joy in trial, too. We know about caves. Tom Sawyer ends that book with Tom and Huck going down into a cave. Our life week by week can have that, that darkness, that moist dripping along the wall. All of a sudden, a neighbor is lost, or a job is taken away, or a child is ill, or worse, or worse still, or a limb cracks, or a theological certainty gives out, and we know what it feels like with Paul to be in exile, to be alone, to be hungering and thirsting for the word that he brings this morning. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. I had a childhood friend whose father ran a slaughterhouse. We didn't go there, but you know, you could feel the weekday activity come evening. Some years ago, I went to a meeting. This was a church meeting. I'd never been to the meeting, but I knew all the people in the circle. And somehow these were gregarious, joyful, happy people. But in that circle, they became reticent. They became quiet. They became tense. And though I couldn't see it, I knew that in the history of that group, somewhere back in the not-quite-forgotten past, there must have been an experience of hurt or of pain. The Bible is a long record of responses to hurt and sorrow. It's hallmark, including in Philippians, and especially today in Matthew as well, is an honesty about hurt. Paul lifts a stunning word at the end of his letter. And it is the gospel, a word of joy. Now, we are people of the Spirit, so we have learned, we've come to learn to trust the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord said, the Lord is, Paul says, says elsewhere, there is freedom. Test the spirits that you may know whether any are of God. Paul will 
name the fruit of the Spirit. We know the Spirit just as we know people through words and deeds and events. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, almost the first, joy, peace, and many others. Ours is a life in the Spirit, an experience, as Paul is to relate, of joy. We learn joy from others. We catch it. As the sermon was composed, I just I couldn't keep out of my mind my dear friend Don Harp. What a happy soul. He went from the country to a big church in Atlanta and served there 25 years. Just a joyful spirit. He loves to remember the first season in which he had come to Atlanta and he traveled, walked around his neighborhood. He liked to know the children. And there one day he came on a sunlit day upon a boy and a girl who were selling lemonade. So he spent 25 cents, as he tells the story. Makes me smile to think of it. And being a pastor, he decided to talk and be pastoral, and they waited patiently, and he talked, and they listened. And finally, the girl said, are you finished? And he said, yes. She said, is it good? And he said, yes. And she said, uh, are you done with your cup? And he said, yes. And she said, well, could we have it back? And he said, sure, why? And he, she said, well, we're running a business here. We hope to have some other cu customers, and that's the only cup we have, so we'd like it back. Rejoice in the Lord always. There is a river of joy flowing through every day for those who will stop and taste just a little bit. Remember the narrative in which you were raised. Wise men from the east followed a star and searched, found a child, and rejoiced with great joy. Shepherds abiding in their fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, heard glad tidings of great joy to all people. There was a sower who went out to sow, and some seed fell along the path and in the brambles and in the dust, but some fell here, there, her, him, you, and those who heard and received, received with exceeding joy. Or today, did you hear the good news? Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. We will set you over much Enter into the joy of your master. Or the Old Testament teaching, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Or there is more joy in heaven over one who returns than 99 who need no repentance. Or at the very empty tomb they came and returned in great fear and with exceeding joy. One of our teachers here at Boston University puts it this way, faith is faith in the validity of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Now we'll select out just two verses in Scripture to fill in Matthew 25 and Philippians 4. And the first is the psalmist. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. And the second is that of James that has to do with the capturing of the sense of spirit in uh, counted all joy, James writes, when various trials beset you. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. We're gathered for worship. Worship comes every Sunday. It's our time to pause. Our children grew up in various churches, and if you ask our son about worship, he will say, church is church. 
He means that with respect. He recognizes that in prayer there's a moment of joy in singing. There's a moment of joy in praying. There's a moment of joy and in preaching. There's a moment of joy as well. This is the one time in the week when we don't have to celebrate ourselves. Just a month and a half ago, we heard about Obadidim the Gittite. You remember his name. You're thankful it's not your name. Obadidim the Gittite helped David with the ark. Do you remember what happened? Just a month and a half ago, we heard it. David, returning from the ark, danced and twirled and sang and spun. He was clothed only in an ephod. We'll pause just to recognize that an ephod is not a lot of clothing. It's somewhere between a napkin and a handkerchief, and there he danced. <laughs> he danced to give praise to God. He danced in a joy that comes from recognizing that we do not celebrate ourselves. We are situated, located in a beautiful part of the world. Those of you who are studying at Boston University need to make sure twice a semester that you get to the coast. Particularly those of you from the Midwest who may never get this close again need to enjoy the, the rhythm of the surf, the rolling of the tide, the beauty of that part of God's creation. Or on another weekend or two, get up into the Green Mountains, especially when they turn white in 10 or 20 days. Or go all the way to the northern part of Vermont and see those open brown fields and recognize that we are held by another hand, that we are called by another voice, that we are embraced by another arm, that we are sought by another heart. The sermon title today is borrowed, lovingly, from C.S. Lewis. You remember his story of joy, his wife. The end of the film Shadowlands, what a piercingly poignant moment. There he walks alone again in an English meadow, in an English spring meadow, in an English spring meadow with the warming season, a man and a cane and his friend and a dog and walking out into a sense of worship. There is in worship a time, a reckoning, a sense of accounting, especially in the autumn we, we hear this, but it's 52 weeks a year we have a benediction. There's a moment when the language of grace is related to our fullness in life. We lost a good friend this fall, as some of you have done. It sharpens your attention. It's sobering, isn't it? Worship is a time when the language of grace is connected to the boundaries of the ultimate horizon. There is something about crossing boundaries that makes us anxious, doesn't it? makes us diffident, makes us worried about things that perhaps we have no reason to, to worry about. We know about reckoning in the autumn. Autumn brings report cards. Autumn brings elections. Autumn brings accounting. Autumn brings harvest. It's a time of, of reckoning. We face in worship the joy of reckoning even even this day. You know, for many years we lived on the Canadian border and to study in Montreal I had to drive down across the border. And I went early, and especially in the winter I went early to avoid the traffic. And one winter day south of Huntington, Quebec, the snow was falling. It was doubly dark. 
And there at the stop sign, there was a tractor trailer coming my way. And I could see him roll down his window, and he leaned out and he said, Où est la frontière? Which I barely knew meant, where is the border? And I began to construct in my mind and s assemble some phrases and get a little bit, bit of French well, from way back in college, assembled to answer, and I began to speak. And as soon as he heard a word or two, he said, oh, hey, you, you speak English. I can tell. You're, you're an American. <laughs> you know, the language that we use every week, the language of grace, surprised by joy, is the language that meets us and will meet us at the border as we cross the border. It's a language of grace, as Barbara Brown Taylor so well put it. The bad news is we do not get what we want. The good news is, the bad news is we do not get what we deserve. The good news is we do not get what we deserve. God is not only just, God is gracious. In thy presence there is fullness of joy. There's also in the capacity for joy a, a sense of knowing joy in trial. Call it joy when you meet trials, says the letter of James, which actually from about the year 100, this pseudonymous writing is our, one of our earliest recorded sermons. It's a remembrance, as in Matthew 5, that Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and utter all manner of falsehood against you in my name. Rejoice and be glad. So, so they treated the prophets. We, we recoil a little bit to think of our trials. Maybe we, we don't think we've had that many. And yet, knowing this congregation and others, we know there have been trials in youth, in middle age, and at maturity. You have had your trials. You know that virtue is not always rewarded. You know that keeping a balance between seed time and harvest, between home and work, between the foreground and the background, between the long run and the immediate need is a, a test and a challenge and a trial. You may have experienced a calling, but you know that a purposeful life is not necessarily a painless life. And you may have lived or spoken in a way that has caused you trial and difficulty. Read about it in Philippians, read about it in Matthew, read about it in C.S. Lewis' book, Surprised by Joy, or if you have the time and take it, learn about trials from getting to know deeply the person sitting near you in the pew. Every heart has secret sorrows, and every heart is made for joy. It's hard to struggle. It's hard to lose. It's hard to lose when you're passionately given to a cause. That's why this week I delighted to read the, wor the words of Governor Paul Lenti. Is that how you pronounce his name? We have a student from Minnesota here. Don't know him much, but he had been out on the campaign trail, and he came home, and he looked in the mirror, he said, and he said to his wife, look at me. I look terrible. Look at me. I'm five years older. Look at me. My hair's receding. 
Look at me, I'm going bald. Look at me, my jowls are sagging. Look at me, my belly is falling over my belt. Is there anything you can say to encourage me? Something that might be positive? And she said, well, there's nothing wrong with your eyesight, Governor. <laughs> there is a vista of joy in every day for those who will take the time to look. Call it all joy when various trials beset you. One fine day in the fullness of time, joy will reign. One day in the fullness of time, as the Old Testament says, the joy of the Lord will be our strength. One fine day in the fullness of time, as the New Testament says, those who sow in tears will reap in joy. One fine day, as the Gospel this morning says, and clearly, enter into the joy of your Master. One fine day we shall hear and see and know in full. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Amen. Prayer is not another place that we must travel to, nor is it another language that we need to learn. It is a place that we live right now, and it is the language that we speak in this moment. The material of our ordinary lives, our fears, hopes, and loves brought to God. As we prepare our hearts for prayer, I invite you to stand, to sit, or to come forward and kneel at the altar. Now let us sing together the call to prayer, Lead Me, Lord. Creator of all that is, be blessed. Lover of all that is, be blessed. Enjoyer of all that is, be blessed. Creator, lover, enjoyer God, may we create, love, and enjoy in you and through you for the life of the world. In these ordinary days, as the leaves fall and the winds blow, whether we are studying, working, raising children, 
longing for our dreams, whether we are in conversation around the meal table, alone, or hoping in faith. As we bless your name in worship, as you bless our lives with your presence, may we be a blessing today. May we be awake today to all your possibilities, to all the synchronicities of your spirit, to the joyful coincidences and the signs pointing to your presence. May we see others with the eyes of your heart as holy and dearly loved friends. Bless them, God. May we remember those in our lives in need of comfort and hug them and hold them close with the comfort that we ourselves have received from you. Bless them, God. May we remember those in our lives who are often forgotten, but whom you will never forget. Bless them, God. May we remember those in our lives whose sadness and anger have made their own prayer painful or impossible. Bless them, God. And gathering all these prayers together, these petitions spoken aloud and all the prayers that we hold in our hearts, we pray as Jesus taught his disciples, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power
The peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you here to Marsh Chapel this morning. We offer a special welcome this morning to the Inner Strength Gospel Choir under the direction of Herbert S. Jones. And would note that their concert, their fall concert, is this Friday evening, right here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, and we hope that you can join them for that. Tomorrow evening is the Conic Lecture here in the nave of Marsh. Um, Conic designed the stained glass windows here in the chapel, and there will be a lecture at 6:30 p.m. here in the nave, uh, talking about his artwork and especially our own windows. We would also note that Boston University Professor of Religion Stephen Prothero will be giving the Noble Lectures at Harvard University Tuesday through Thursday of this week. You may wish to cross the river for that. We would invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name in the red book at the end of each pew so that we could get to know one another better. And we would alert those of you who may not be here in the nave with us that we do have online giving now and you can find that by clicking the stewardship link on our website. Now walk in love as Christ loved us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
Father, who has blessed us with so much, we offer these gifts so that your ministry might continue in your church throughout the world. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. May the sun show warm and bright on you, your darkest night, the star shine through, your dullest morn, a radiance brew, and when dusk comes, God's hand to you. Amen.